man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. So it's Tuesday, the 17th day of July, and as I was signing off from Monday's PFT PM, I said that I wouldn't be doing this today. I lied. I didn't know I lied. At the time, it was the truth. But what happened was, throughout the course of Monday's podcast, I forgot to do one important thing. I forgot to say the words, here's my interview from earlier today with Eagles tight end Zach Ertz. Just forgot. I was going to talk about some things, play the interview, and then answer your questions. And I got so caught up in the stream of consciousness on Le'Veon Bell and Aaron Rodgers, and I kind of, what's the word, thought out loud? People say I spoke out loud. Of course you spoke out loud. I was thinking out loud, and I wandered into this concept of gross revenue percentage going to Aaron Rodgers, and I was so impressed with my partially functioning brain the part that doesn't function forgot to lay out for Zach Ertz. So, bonus PFTPM. I don't have a lot of time because we've got one of our annual NBC events today. Some folks from Connecticut come down. We go over just where everything stands, take care of some business, check some boxes, have a a meal out at a, a golf course nearby, and then there's a shooting range we go to and blow up some clay pigeons, and then we come back here to the house for dinner. So it should be an enjoyable day, but otherwise wasn't going to have time to do this. So I'm making time now. It's really kind of PFT AM, frankly. But, uh, you know, if there are developments after noon Eastern, we'll be talking about them tomorrow, writing about them at PFT. And uh, sorry, I had to do it earlier today. I wasn't going to do it at all. But I'm doing it primarily for this reason. Before I forget, here is my conversation from Monday with Super Bowl champion, tight end of the Philadelphia Eagles, Zach Ertz. All right, every team is currently 0-0 zero and zero as the 2018 season approaches. One team, though, the defending Super Bowl champions, that is the Philadelphia Eagles. And the guy who caught the game-winning touchdown pass joins us now. He is tight end Zach Ertz. Zach, how are you, pal? Hey, guys. I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Is it, I'm doing great. Not as well as you, though. I don't have a new Super Bowl ring. I've been trying to steal one from someone for the last 10 years, so keep an eye on yours. And on that point, where is your Super Bowl ring? Uh, my Super Bowl ring is in safekeeping, literally and figuratively. Um, with It's at my place. Uh, we got it in a little safe, locked up, uh, making sure that and anyone like yourself doesn't get any too crazy ideas. Uh, but it's all good. Um, the, the event, the season last year, getting the Super Bowl ring was crazy. Um, but like you said, everyone's zero and zero right now, and everyone has goals of hosting the Lombardi come February again. And it's going to be tough for us, but we're, we're really excited for the challenge and the opportunity that this season's going to present. Well, Zach and I always think it's even harder for the defending champion. One of the reasons we haven't seen back to back since oh three oh four when the Patriots did it because. You guys just climbed to the top of the mountain. You're zero and zero. Everyone's gunning for you, and your reward is to do what you just did. They, it seems like everyone else is going to have more motivation than the Eagles. How do you combat that that possible mindset going into the season? Well, I think every I think our team is unique in the sense that everyone truly loves to go out there and compete every day on the practice field. I mean, uh, the, the the first bye week we had in the playoffs, we were going out there in full pads that week. We were going out there the next day, ones against the ones the entire time that week, um, just competing against one another, trying to trying to get an edge any way we could. And I think the guys on 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 our team love to compete. I think 
guys aren't satisfied by any means. Any the kind of feeling is that anyone can do anything once in life, whether it be win a Super Bowl, whether it be go to one Pro Bowl. But it's the people that are able to have that that uh, sustained success that really separates the good from the great teams, the good from the great players. So I think that's kind of the mindset that our whole team has kind of taken. And you mentioned the intensity of the practices during your bye week before the division round game against the Falcons. You guys were underdogs in that game. There were a lot of people in the media, me included, who thought it would be very difficult for the Eagles to win in the postseason without Carson Wentz at quarterback. Somehow, the, t- the team, coaches, players whipped up a formula that carried the Eagles to three straight victories. How much motivation came from all the things that everyone was saying about how the Eagles were going to struggle in the playoffs? Yeah, I think it just uh, brought our team even closer than we already were. I mean, the thing that stuck out about last year's team is that we we, we were so close and the chemistry was so tight. And I think that those, those playoff weeks of everyone doubting us each and every week and, I was just, and us just kind of sitting back as players and kind of smirking at the thought that no one thinks that we're going to win when we have an amazing coaching staff that's going to put us in situations to be successful, whether it be Nick, whether it be Carson, whether it be me, whether it was Trey Burton um, on offense, Alshon Jeffrey. We have guys that can go out there and make plays. Um, Our defensive line is unbelievable, so they're going to keep us in games regardless. Our offensive line is probably the best in football. So we, we had a lot of key components that allow you to win games in January and in February. And so we were kind of just sitting back, kind of, uh, smirking at what was going on on the outside, but I think it brought us even closer as a team. And Zach, I can think back to some recent years where a team won the Super Bowl and it felt preordained they'd win it the next year. I remember the Seahawks after they crushed the Broncos, the Patriots after they came back from that huge deficit against the Falcons. There's just this sense that this team is destined to go back to back. I don't get that same vibe in the media among the fans as it relates to the Eagles. And that may be something that can give you guys reason to smirk because the more people think you can't do it again, then that morphs into that that underdog mentality that could take over and propel you guys farther than maybe you, you otherwise would go. Yeah, I think it. I think that could definitely be the case. I think it's also extremely early. The team that we had last year just simply isn't the same guys that are going to go walk out there on September 6th against the Falcons. We're a completely different team. The bonds and the chemistry that we had last year are different. Um, we brought in new guys. Guys left our team. Um, so it's and and like you said, we're going to have the target on the back. We're not going to be viewed as the underdog anymore. We're going to kind of be viewed as the or we're going to be the hunted instead. So we're excited about it. It's going to be an amazing challenge for us and something that we're going to really hope to take full advantage of. From a fan's perspective, Zach, what do you think will be the most noticeable difference between last year's Eagles and this year's Eagles? Um, I mean, the, the, the key guys are coming back. Um, I think we had a, a – I don't know how we got Michael Bennett, but somehow we got Michael Bennett to add to our defensive line, who is just a perennial all-pro, pro-war guy. And you add that to a defensive line with Fletcher Cox, uh, 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 BG, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Chris Long, you have all these guys, and you just add Michael Bennett to that. And it's like when we line up in a sub package or nickel package on defense, it's going to be those guys are going to be able to get after the quarterback, and that's what Coach Schwartz wants them to do. Um, from an offensive standpoint, uh, I know the city, I know the country really wants to see Carson get back. When he does that, I don't know for sure, but he looks great. 
Um, so we're excited about the team. I don't know if you're just looking at the team, trying to compare the two. Um, I can make that uh, assumption right now, but it's gonna we're going to learn, and time will tell, um, but we're excited about it. Who will be in charge of making sure things don't get weird when you have a starting quarterback who was injured last year and a backup quarterback who became the Super Bowl MVP? I think those guys' dynamic and their – their outlook and perspective on life with their faith has been the reason that it's not weird. You know, that football isn't their life or death for either of them. And I think that allows that dynamic to really play itself out. Those guys are believers in Christ and that's, that's their focus. That That's their primary focus. And so I think that allows the relationship to really just focus on supporting each other, building each other up. I mean, Nick could come in after he won the Super Bowl MVP and demand things, but he didn't want to do that. That's not who he was. He loved being back in Philadelphia and playing with all the guys that were here earlier in his career. And so I think the di- I don't think anyone was is worried about the dynamic of those two guys just because of how much they support each other. When do you think we'll know whether or not we see Carson Wentz week one against the Falcons? Uh, probably as we progress in preseason, honestly. I mean, I don't think anyone can make a firm statement right now. Uh, we're ten, we're nine days away right now from the start of training camp. Um, he's been here all summer grinding in Philadelphia, doing everything he can to put his body, um, in the right spot going into training camp. Um, so I think probably that week three of preseason, I mean, there's no reason for him to go out there. Um, week one or two, in my opinion. Uh, not that it counts for anything. Um, but at the end of the day, we'll probably know as, as the preseason progresses. And obviously, in my, they'll probably err on costume because he's the guy that's going to be here for the next 15 years, hopefully. Um, so there's no reason to jeopardize that for a game or two. Um, but at the same time, he's a competitor, and you're not going to hold the guy back just to say we held him back for an extra game. Um, when he's ready and when he's chomping at the beat uh, uh, to get out there and lead the team. Um, So we'll probably know as we progress in training camp, um, but right now it's too early to tell. Zach, you mentioned nine days until training camp. What's your mindset at this stage of your career? Is it, oh, yeah, nine days, can't wait, or is it, oh, God, nine days, now it's down to eight hours or eight days and 12 hours, and now it's (laughs) down to seven days? How do you approach this countdown to training camp? You know, I think – somehow my body is on a clock you know um the june the end of june you know you you're uh you're kind of like man we have a couple weeks till training camp i really got to go and then as you get closer to training camp your body starts to get that itch like it like it wants to compete like it wants to get the adrenaline flowing again um so that's kind of where i'm at right now i'm definitely getting that itch to go out and play and practice um my body feels like the season's coming around I feel like the whole country loves this time of year as football is approaching and everyone's starting to report and everyone has high aspirations for the upcoming year. And so that's how my body is. I'm really excited about this year. Like I said, well, we're not trying to be that one-hit wonder team. Uh, we're trying to have sustained success in Philadelphia. Uh, Howie Roseman, Coach Peterson have done an amazing job to put us in this situation with an amazing roster, with an amazing group of guys. So we're really excited about it. I'm excited about it, and uh, it's almost time to go. There's a rookie tight end, second-round draft pick, a lot of hype anytime someone is taken that high. What's your approach to a young guy coming in? Do you mentor him? Do you tell him all your tricks? Or do you look at him saying, boy, this is a guy that could bump me off the roster one of these days? 
No, not at all. I mean, um, it was it, it is weird because five years ago I was or six years ago almost going into my sixth year, so I was drafted second round. Brent Selleck was the guy that was here, and he had every right. To, uh, I heard horror stories coming into the to the NFL about how veterans that were high draft picks how they were treated, and that couldn't have been further from my experience with Brent Selleck. Um, he really showed me how to be a pro, how to approach run blocking. And it wasn't by him taking me aside and giving me everything. It was by me watching him go about his business on a day-to-day basis. And if I had a question, he was there to answer it. He was there to encourage me, saying, you're doing well. Um, don't get too down on yourself because he, know, he knew how, how, how I would think. Um, um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of the approach that I feel like veterans should take when anyone's drafted, you know, show them how to be a pro, show them if, if they have a question, honor it or answer it truthfully and helpfully and encourage the guy because at the end of the day, he's your boy. If he can help this team, that's what is important um, in any capacity. And so I think he's going to be a good player um, in this league. He, he's got all the tools. So uh, I'm excited about the potential we have with the both of us on the field together. Um, so, yeah, I think that's how you approach it. Hey, Zach, tell us what you have going on with Capital One and the SBs coming up this week. Yeah, so this SBs um, is going to be Wednesday, obviously. Um, Stanford, my alma mater, um, swept the Capital One Cup in both the men's and the women's standing. Um, it's the first time that any school has won the Capital One Cup on both sides in the same athletic year. Um, and so as a proud alum, uh, me and uh, Neka Obumake is going to be honoring the Stanford men's and women's athletic department. And it's honestly awesome that Capital One is donating $400,000 in student-athlete scholarships to Stanford um, because they won both of them. Typically, it's 200000 to one school and 200000 to another school. But they're going to combine that $400,000 and, and uh, contribute it to student-athlete scholarships at Stanford. So, they're doing amazing things. Uh, I'm really proud to be a part of the whole program and the initiative, um, and so I'm excited about it. And before I let you run, you have an Ertz Family Foundation launch event coming up later this week. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so the Ertz Family Foundation, my wife, is a, is a stud athlete as well. Um, so we decided we felt called and compelled to start a foundation of our own together not have it the Zach Ertz Foundation or the Julie Ertz Foundation. Uh, it's, it, it's not about Julie and I doing something together. We want to get people involved and be a part of our family. Um, so next Saturday, July 21st, we're going to have an event in the Bay Area with the proceeds benefiting uh, Haiti, uh, specifically in the Bay Area and Philly. Um, Haiti, I went on a mission trip this past year to Mission of Hope in Haiti, and it's really pushed me, pushed us to start this foundation um, it was just an amazing experience down there. Those people rubbed me in ways that was just like, it was so eye-opening that somewhat, so, some people that had so few material items could have so much joy in their everyday life. And I, when we were down there with, with the mission, obviously, and just to see the work that they were able to do. So some of the proceeds are going to go directly to providing scholarships for some of those kids to go to college because obviously in, 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 in this amazing country, we have access to a ton of great education. And if you're able to go to college, you're able to get a managerial job down in Haiti. So we're going to be supplying scholarships to graduating seniors of high school down there to go to college. 
Um, and then we're going to be partnering in the Bay Area with the program to supply uh, the soccer and football teams of a local high school in Richmond, California, um, with some uh, like SAT prep stuff, um, scholarships to college. And then we're going to do something in Philadelphia with uh, with a, like kind of like a back to school drive, giving backpacks out to uh, the kids in Philadelphia. So. We're really excited about it. We started it up about a month and a half ago officially, and so it's rolling right now. We're excited about it. we got a lot going on, um, so we just want to spread God's love to everyone in need. And it's great that you're doing that. It's great to give back. It's great to use the platform. And, and one last question. I always want to end with something non-controversial and give you a real softball here. You mentioned your wife, Julie, a member of the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. Which of you is better at their respective sport? Well, I mean, Julie is the best at everything. Uh, she's more personable she's a better athlete she's more competitive i mean i think you know how it is uh the wife was always right so that's kind of the story and that's what i'm sticking to hey you know one of the things i always say zach when it's time to stand before saint peter i hope that we go in like on an average right (laughs) you know because i got no chance otherwise All right, buddy. Well, hey, good well, luck with man, everything. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Hey, congratulations on all the success. We look forward to talking to you down the road, buddy. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thanks again to Zach Ertz for his time. It was great to get him. And during this four-week mandatory vacation slash paid suspension, we've had some opportunities to talk to different people. And sometimes I say no, but sometimes, like with Todd Gurley or Zach Ertz, I say yes. So, you know, it really is difficult to take a break from my break to talk about football for 10 or 15 minutes. Thank you for your service. Before we break for the day, I said I would answer the best three or four questions that came from the PFTPM posse. Let's take a look at what is there. I see 10 questions so far in just a few minutes. Fittis and Kane, any word on what happened with the Gronk deal? He's apparently reporting for camp, so could anything still be done to his contract at this point? Yeah, I mean, they can fix his contract anytime they want. And the thinking is something was going to happen. I was told in June it's not imminent, but it's likely. Now, some are thinking that unless and until Gronk has his new contract, he could still be traded. And I think any player could be traded, really. If you can offer draft picks three years out, so you can go three first-round draft picks if you want to, well, it wouldn't take that much to get Bill Belichick to give up Rob Gronkowski. That's for damn sure. But I don't know that the Patriots are actively considering the possibility of shopping him. But until that new deal is in place, you have to at least put it on the radar screen. And I think that's the smarter play. Just keep your eyes open because we've seen the Patriots abruptly dump guys in the past that we didn't expect were going to be abruptly dumped or not abruptly dumped. We didn't think they were ever going to leave the team and leave the team they did. So I think the issue this year, and I don't know this, I think that Rob Gronkowski isn't interested in another incentive package that would be added to the $8 million he's already due to make. He wants to have his base pay increased because, you know, odds are, because he was healthy all of last year and hit every trigger to make the $5.5 million extra, he may have an injury this year that keeps him from achieving what he achieved last year and getting that extra money. And when you look at Trey Burton, who was the third-string tight end of the Eagles, making $8 million this year per year from the Bears. $8 million per year. I don't know what it is this year. Jimmy Graham averaging $10 million a year in his deal with the Packers, even though he's disappointing with the Seahawks. I think that, that Gronk has a strong case to make to make more. 
At Mike Rips, how will the new refs fare this season? Will they be noticeable for any reasons, appearance, performance, descriptions? Well, look, there are four referees gone. So roughly 25% of all NFL games that you watch this year will feature a referee that for the first time or two that you see him, you're going to say, who the hell is that guy? It'll be interesting to see if Sean Hockley is as loquacious and verbose as his father, Ed, who has retired. We'll see. But, yeah, there will be different referees. Now the NFL saying all the right things about the competence of the referees, and it was six years ago that the NFL said all the right things about the replacements when the officials were locked out, and that didn't go very well. But unprecedented challenges with the changes to the kickoff formation, with the two new helmet rules. And, again, there isn't one new helmet rule. There are two new helmet rules, and there are plenty of questions about how those rules are going to be enforced. A lot of pressure. Throw in legalized gambling, more pressure than ever on the NFL to get it right. And I think that there may be more communication between the league and the referees during games than we've seen in the past. Maybe some things that are said that, you know, aren't supposed to be said in an effort to get things right. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that happens. And the catch rule, you know, throw that into the mix. It's going to be a real challenge for whoever the officials are. And given that there are new referees and other new officials, it could be a challenge. All right, what else do we have here? Vaughn, why is the NFL considering more tweaks to the kickoff so close to the start of training camp? Why do you think that might be? I just can't wrap my head around it. It could be, it could be that as the NFL considers how these changes will affect the game, They are trying to anticipate unintended consequences ahead of time and make changes, possibly. Now, I know when I went through the rule book, when the actual final wording of all the rules was put in place, I saw two changes to the kickoff formation that previously hadn't been mentioned or publicized. And I don't think they'd been mentioned. I don't think anyone said anything about them. I don't think anyone knew anything about them. One, if you're on the kicking team, you can no longer run out of bounds to avoid a block. It's a foul if you do that. So they're trying to cut down the opportunities for guys to be running full speed. So if you're pinned up against the sideline, you can't skirt around that block or you have to engage that blocker and that's going to slow you down in your effort to get down to the return man. And also, if the ball hits the end zone without being touched by a member of the receiving team, it's automatically dead. It's automatically a touchback. It's kind of like half of the punt rule. Because the punt rule, anytime it goes in the end zone, whether it's touched or not, it's a touchback. For a ball that lands in the end zone, untouched by a member of the kicking team, it's automatically a touchback, which I don't think affects the game all that much. But it's just another example of how they're moving this thing toward more touchbacks, Fewer returns if they can help it. And they say that this new formation will result in more returns. Well, if it doesn't result in fewer concussions, the kickoff is going to go the way of the dodo bird. I still give it two and a half years. Two and a half years for the kickoff, five and a half years for the three-point stance. I'm sticking with both. Jay Buchanan, 06. If David Johnson can remain healthy for the full year, does 1,000 receiving and 1,000 rushing yards seem far-fetched, or do you think he can obtain the milestone? I mean, if the quarterback play is good enough, I, I think he could do it. He's got to be healthy all year, but he was very effective in his first two NFL seasons. Last year, injured week one, and it all fell apart after that. But, yeah, I think it's possible. I think it's possible. But um, is it likely? Probably not. But, you know, look, this is part of the preseason confidence slash delusion we see all the time there was a stretch where every year adrian peterson was talking about rushing for 2500 yards 
right? These guys believe they can do anything. And you have to have that belief you can do anything in order to do anything in the NFL. You're not going to thrive if you don't have that blind faith that borders on delusion. So you have your goal and you go out there and you try to do it. And sometimes it works out, but most of the time it doesn't. But it's that goal that propels you. All these guys are highly talented and they're goal-oriented and they are driven and they need that in order to get the most out of their abilities. All right. The real Forno. What are the rules regarding how teams conduct training camp? Why do some teams have rookies report early? Why do teams report on different days? Well, look, you, you report to training camp two weeks before your first preseason game. So the teams that play in the Hall of Fame game, they start earlier. They start training camp two weeks before that Thursday, August 2nd. And I think there's a rule that allows rookies to be required to show up a few days in advance. They're not out there hitting. They're not engaging in full padded practice, but they're there. And that's why this Roquan Smith thing really isn't a big deal. He's a rookie with the Bears. The rookies are there, but he's really not missing anything. Now, if he starts missing training camp practices, then that'll be an issue. My understanding for the guys at the bottom of the top 10, it's not about offset language as much as it's about roster bonus structure and voiding of the guaranteed money, language that will void guaranteed money. So that's something to keep an eye on as the the next few days unfold. Will Roquan Smith get signed? Will the rest of the unsigned top 10 players get signed? Will there be a holdout? How ugly will it be? We saw Joey Bosa stay away two years ago until late August. Those don't happen like they used to, but they still potentially will. Just scanning through to see if there's any other question Worth answering at Pete Herbst. Why are you the way that you are? Come on, man. That's not original. I hear that like once a week. And I've yet to answer it. I just am. How about that? I am the way I am. Is that the Popeye? I am what I am? I mean, really, aren't we all just who we are? Aren't we all better off just being who we are? And if you're an asshole, just be an asshole. Be the best asshole you can be. Right? Don't tell me you're authentic. Be authentic. Just be who you are. Life is so much easier if you just are who you are. That's how you were created, whether it was deliberate or accidental. I err on the side of saying it was deliberate, that we're all designed, that the human body was designed, that all animals and all plants and everything else on earth was designed. How could you accidentally create everything that we see? That's a rabbit hole. I don't want to go any farther down, although that rabbit that made that hole was also designed. My point is just be who you are. Be authentic. Be real. Don't tell me you're authentic. I saw quotes recently from someone who I believe is completely inauthentic, and he referred to himself multiple times as authentic. And that's the kick. If you have to tell me multiple times you're authentic, hey, buddy, you ain't authentic, and you know it, and you're pandering to a certain crowd that, for whatever reason, is yet to figure out that you're a fraud and a phony. And I should probably end it there. Well, here's another question. At Hetfield, 0048, what can we expect from Josh Gordon? Jarvis Landry praising the guy, and back in 2013, 1,646 receiving yards in 14 games. Only like nine receivers have ever had better single seasons than Josh Gordon. Randy Moss, Terrell Owens never had that many receiving yards. I think it could be very interesting if they have a quarterback who can get the ball to him. But back in 2013, it was a revolving door of Brian Hoyer, Jason Campbell, Brandon Whedon. So it's not going to take much to let Josh Gordon do his thing. Let's hope he stays on the right side of the substance abuse policy, but it could be very interesting for the Browns and Josh Gordon this year. All right, I probably should go. I got to go run a couple of errands and then head over to the the NBC meeting. Ho- hopefully, hopefully it's not going to be bad news. Usually it's good news. I mean, you never know. 
mean, hopefully it's not going to be like when Tommy thought he was getting made. I better make sure there are other cars there. Wasn't that really the giveaway for Tommy? When, when the car pulls in and there's no other cars around, shouldn't he have had an inkling at that point that something bad's about to happen? I mean, when you're in a business that entails people getting killed all the time, shouldn't your antenna be a little more sensitive than they'd otherwise be? So they're taking me to get made. It's this big deal. And the car pulls in and they're in another car in sight. That's probably when Tommy should have got out and run. Not that it would have helped him. Although the two guys that whacked him were like, like, like old broken down dudes, right? So I think he would have had a chance. Think of how different that movie would have been if Tommy would have gotten out and taken off. Oh, well, I think it's based on a true story. So it's not like they had that liberty or that license. And later in the week, it's the PFT Live two-day summit. And inevitably, one of those evenings will pop in Goodfellas. And I'll, I'll, get to, I'll get to shout at the screen while partially inebriated. Or more than partially. Tommy, get the hell out of the car and run. Those two old guys can't catch you. All right, uh, we'll catch you on Wednesday. Have a great day. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk.